Today's guests are Nicole Deshay and Kate Delk. I wanted to interview Nicole and Kate because I've known them both since they were just getting started as prosecutors, and I've worked on countless cases with them. Both of them have now transitioned into criminal defense, so I wanted to get their perspective on the difference between prosecuting cases as a state employee on the one hand and working for yourself as a criminal defense lawyer on the other. Duchesne and Delk is just a couple of blocks outside downtown Franklin proper in a recently renovated building. The office is a blend of modern finishes and furniture with stained concrete floors and high-definition screens mixed with historical artifacts reflecting Franklin's past, particularly including the Battle of Franklin and the Civil War. When I got there, Nicole was coordinating the return of a client's file to the client's family while Kate was finishing up a call with a client. In this episode, Nicole and Kate reflect on the early years of their careers as prosecutors. Kate recalls the gut-wrenching murder of one of the victims she had been working with, while Nicole remembers a case where one of the people in the case crossed some boundaries. If you like what I'm doing here on Ready for Trial, click on subscribe and follow the show on social media for updates. This is Dana McClendon, and this is Ready for Trial. I'm sitting down today with uh, the lawyers at Duchesne and Delk. Uh, with me today are Nicole Duchesne, who's been a lawyer for seven years, and her law partner, Kate Delk, who's been an attorney for 14 years. Both of them were former prosecutors, and now they do criminal defense, among other things. So I imagine we'll get into some of the differences between a being a prosecutor and being a uh, criminal defense lawyer. Welcome, ladies, and thank, for, thank you for having me. Thanks for letting us be here. Yeah, okay. Thanks. No? Glad to do it. Nicole, why don't you tell tell the listeners a little bit about how you got here and what you do and, and why you decided to be a lawyer? Well, um, initially, I was just very interested in the law um, and prison structure and stuff like that. I um, had a few professors in college that kind of got me interested in that. And when I was between my junior and senior year of college, I had to go to an internship fair as part of my degree. And I met someone from the district attorney's office at the internship fair and ended up interning at the DA's office in Nashville. Um, And I interned in the victim witness program there and just really liked it. I liked going to court, interacting with people, seeing the cases. I just really liked being a part of it. And then I ended up working as a victim witness coordinator there after college. They offered me a full-time job. And so I worked there for several years and ended up going to law school at Nashville School of Law because I would see the attorneys that I work with. um, You thought, I can do that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I I wanted to be, I guess, a bigger part of it. And so essentially, I went to law school at night at Nashville School of Law while working, Um, ultimately moved from the DA's office in Nashville to the DA's office in Williamson County because Williamson County had an opportunity where as a law school student, I could actually practice under another attorney's supervision. Right. So I actually took a pay cut to take that position um, and did it. And that's where I met Kate. Kate was actually one of the attorneys who supervised me and 
taught me everything that I know okay. <laughs> pretty much. Um, so I sort of ended up getting my dream job, um, which was to be a prosecutor and it was great. Um, and I really, really, really liked what I did and worked in that office for a few years, but then I had two kids during that time and decided that I wanted more flexibility. A little more control over your life. Exactly. Okay. And so um, I kind of just took the plunge to go into private practice. So there were a few um, things that, a few cases that had gotten to me around the same time. And I had sort of thought about going into private practice just for, you know, off and on. Um, and then a friend of mine at the time posted that she had office space available. And it was kind of just that moment, like this is it. everything is kind of coming together here. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Okay. And so um, I took the plunge and every second of every day before I decided to leave the DA's office, I second guessed myself and wondered if it was really what I should do. But so far, so good. There's, of course, good days and bad days, but um, I definitely do have more flexibility. Mornings are easier. Well, I'm going <laughs> to ask you kids, both about that because I but, know you both have little kids. Yeah. So we'll but, ask, I'm um, going to find out how you mom so hard and do this. Yeah, yeah. And then Kate kind of was in the same boat um, and I think sort of followed me. <laughs> and so um, here we are okay. back well, together again. All right, Kate. Well, how did, how did, did you always want to be a lawyer or did you evolve into it or how did that happen for you? I think I was always told I was going to be a lawyer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was good at arguing, I guess, since I could talk or could speak. And um, I actually won an award my senior year of high school for American government as a future constitutional lawyer. I'm not even really sure what that means. Um, went into went to law school, obviously, and said I would never do criminal law. It was not what I wanted to do. Took my criminal law first semester and absolutely fell in love and have only done, until I went into private practice, I'd only done criminal law. Um, and you became a prosecutor in what, 2007? 2008. I clerked for the Court of Criminal Appeals from 2007, 2008, and then started the DA's office in 08. And you were at the uh, district attorney's office in Williamson County for how long? In the 21st. So I most, actually mostly was in Hickman County. Okay. Um, I was in Williamson office for a year and then was in the Hickman County office for nine years. I left in September of, or end of August, 2018. So you know every exit on the trace. Thank <laughs> you. Lots of turkeys. Yes. Lots okay. of turkeys. Um, all right. So uh, then you guys decided to form up and become Duche and Delk. Yes. And so, uh, Kate, let me start with you. What do you think is the biggest difference between being in and working for the government and being a private, being a prosecuting attorney, uh, prosecuting crimes and then one day you walk out of that office on a Friday and on a Monday you show up and you're on the other team Ooh, um I think as a prosecutor I tried really really hard to always understand that my job was to seek justice not to put somebody in jail or to just punish somebody that was never what I believed my job was and even as a defense attorney I still feel like that's my job, but instead of seeking justice for the state, I'm seeking justice for an individual person. 
So I think maybe that's my big difference is I'm trying to get justice for this one individual human being as opposed to justice for all of the citizens of Tennessee. Yeah, I, as a defense lawyer, you don't get to stand up and say on behalf of the state. Yeah, of right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what about what about you, Nicole? How, what do you think the biggest difference between being a prosecutor, putting people in jail or evaluating putting people in jail versus getting hired to keep somebody's kid out of jail is like? Well, both can be very stressful. Being a lawyer is is stressful. And that that's one thing I did not realize um, that it was going to be a different type of stress. Um, because when you went into private practice, yes, mm-hmm. mainly yeah. because when you work for the state, you're on a team of people and you have investigators. Your witnesses show up in uniform. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> Sometimes if a case doesn't go how you want it to, most of the time it's not actually your fault. fault. (laughs) It's someone else's fault. Um, It's something that was baked in before you got involved. Right. But when someone, especially in criminal criminal defense, when literally someone's life Mm -hmm. and liberty is on your shoulders, you got to make sure that Mm -hmm. you don't mess up Um, (laughs) because it's all on you. Yeah, that's very true. So react to this. People all the time ask me, how do you represent somebody who you know did it? That's the wrong question. It is so much harder for me to represent someone who I genuinely genuinely believe did not do it. it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Me too. I mean, if they did it. I'm going to give them the best deal I can. Right. Yeah. You're going to mitigate the (laughs) the problems or or roll the dice if that's the best you can do. But when they didn't do it, man, you're sitting next to someone Mm -hmm. who, you know, is fighting to not get punished uh, wrongly and the stakes are so much higher. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like Nicole said, their life is literally in your hands. Mm -hmm. I say that to my husband a lot. Like you don't understand. Like I literally am holding someone's future in my hands. And there's no do-overs. No. Like if you make the, if you don't make the right objection Mm -hmm. at the right time, it's gone. Yep. You, You don't get to, you don't get to go to instant replay. Kate, what do you think a good day in court looks like? How does that look or feel to you? I think to me it just feels like knowing, one, that I covered all the bases I was supposed to cover. I didn't forget something. I did not make that objection. I didn't do anything like that. And then if the prosecutor is a little unhappy because I got a little more than he or she expected that I would get or the case would give, um, I think that's definitely a good feeling. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, we're all, as lawyers, generally pretty competitive people. So there is something to feeling like you win. Um, but I also think winning to me is is still seeking that justice element just in that situation for my client and hoping that they say, I feel good about this. Like, okay, we did the best we could. You know, even if it is that they ultimately walk out with some kind of a conviction or something like that, knowing that either I've prepared them for that and so it wasn't a surprise, they're not shocked, um, or even better, maybe you don't get that conviction, you get that retirement or that dismissal. Yeah, I tell clients that, I tell clients in a criminal case that the object for them is to walk out the same door that I do. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you go out the door that's over there on the side of the room with the big giant key that opens it, it didn't go well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nicole, what does a good day in court look or feel like for you? Well, I I like Kate's answer, really. (laughs) Um, I agree. As long as I feel like I did everything I needed to do, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I had one hearing just last week that I I didn't get a good outcome, but 
I, I, f- I felt like the hearing went well. I was really prepared. My client wasn't upset with me. We just didn't get a it's good weird, ruling. It's weird, Sometimes I think we take it harder than the people who actually yep. have to do the time yep. take it. Exactly. But, I mean, same thing with Kate. As long as I know what I did and if you get a really good outcome or it was really easy to get a really good ca- outcome, even better. <laughs> um, right. But if you get what you're expecting to get or what you like Kate said, what you've prepared your client for as, as long as you don't get that worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So the worst case scenario is a great segue. What's a bad day in court for Nicole? Oh, uh, a bad day in court. Um, one would be dealing with in this case, when, when we're talking about criminal defense, dealing with a prosecutor who is maybe taking things too personally with a particular client Mm -hmm. because those are generally the bad days because you know that no matter what you say or do, it's not going to change their mind because they have this person. um, They're they're hardened on a position. Exactly. Um, That's a bad day. Um, I I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do you think now, as both of you being former prosecutors, I've I've never prosecuted and I never will. Not because I'm opposed to it; it's just too late. Um, Do you think that you now, as private defense lawyers, look back and think, "Wow, sometimes I I missed. Sometimes I, I whiffed. I was wrong about that." Or if I had that case, or generally just sort of the approach to do differently, I would do it differently. Yeah, absolutely. There, I can. I can definitely think of a few examples where I think, mm, maybe I was a little too harsh on that one. Um, there are a couple times, though, I think, mm, maybe I was too easy on that person. <laughs> like you missed it in the sense um, that you should have really held their feet to mm-hmm. the fire. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the biggest thing is now when you deal with criminal clients and a lot of them have addiction issues or mental illness or both. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is very eye opening to actually spend maybe Mm -hmm. half an hour to an hour in a jail cell with them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. To where you see that very differently where of course, you know, as a prosecutor, I think Kate and I both, you know, looked at addiction issues and tried to help people Mm -hmm. as part of their um, sentence or whatever it was. But you don't see it. Yeah, quite I think the same as a way. prosecutor, you you experience the defendant m- more vicariously. Mm-hmm. Like you, maybe you see the interview, or you hear the interview, or you hear about them from the victim or mm-hmm. from the victim's family. Mm-hmm. But you don't go in a cell with. Generally, you don't wind up in a tiny holding cell, looking them in the eye as they tell you their mm-hmm. what their life story or their or or all of their mental illnesses are revealed and you go, oh, yep. oh, I see. I think it would be great if every lawyer could try out both sides <laughs> at some point. You know, I mean, it it really, it's really been eye-opening, especially at the beginning of my private practice. Um, and and it, I think, like you said, uh, or like you asked, there are definitely a lot of cases that I've thought, and. I had a case like this when I was a prosecutor, and maybe I was a little too harsh yeah. on the person. But what about you, Kate? You you think you see things differently from, say, this side of the table, or this side of the courtroom, as the case may be. I think I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna like sound like I was this great prosecutor that was always so fair. Um, I hope I was, and I hope I was perceived that way. But um, 
Definitely when I first started as a prosecutor, there are a few cases that I wish I could redo. I, I think, and this is not a comment on you specifically, but I've been I've been breaking in prosecutors for a long time now. <laughs> and I think that there's a tendency among young lawyers, both prosecutors and private defense lawyers, to try to stake out a reputation mm-hmm. or try to like, you know, show people what they are. Mm-hmm. And um, I think early on, and I'm certain that I was the worst about that. But <laughs> but I think early on in someone's career, they don't really have the confidence or the comfort level to, you know, realize, hey, this is going to be a bad day for mm-hmm. my client, you know, or um, or know when to hit the gas. Yeah. You know, like I think I generally try to go to the prosecutors and say, I'll try this one. Yeah. Like most of the time I go to him and I go, you got him. He did it. But let's talk about, you know, you yeah. probably you probably can't prove these charges or, or you know, you got some problems with the case. Let's let's do something that might work this out. But if I tell somebody I'll try this case, like that's not a bluff. That's not me posturing. And we've all seen that, you know, from from both sides. Yeah. Um. So uh, one of you, I forget which, mentioned earlier that I think it was you, Nicole, that you had had some cases that like troubled you. And that that sort of helped precipitate your change over out of pri- out of prosecuting and into private practice. What can you say about that? Well, <clears throat> part of it was one case in particular got to be too personal. Um, not on my end. It was actually this. I don't know if I should really get into it too much. Just but general out <clears throat> generalities. What made this, it what made it troublesome for Nicole? The, there was the a woman who was involved in the case who did not like how I handled the case. And so essentially she started kind of harassing me and she found me on Facebook and found that we had mutual friends and was contacting mutual friends. And and then she had mentioned something about my children's names and it just got to be, you know, is this worth it? Am I being paid enough to have people, you know, treat me this way? And is it really worth this type of of stress for me just trying to do my job? Um, And I had spent a lot of time, probably too much time explaining to her why I did what I did on the case. And it, it didn't matter. And she just, she just took it out of, out of hand. And, um, that was one thing that, did accelerate my departure, I guess. Yeah. Kate, you got any that, that haunt you or that you think? I do have some that haunt me for sure. I don't think I have any that like spurred me into private practice. That was more of a family life decision than it was um, a case or anything like that. Um, I mean, I have 2000, oh, when did she die? 2009. Um, one of my victims was murdered. And the police officer called me in the middle of the night and told me and um, actually sent a patrol car to my house because he had made kind of some veiled threats when the guy ran off. So the the your victim, was it a pending case? It was. It was a, that was when I, when I started at the DA's office in Franklin, I was the domestic violence prosecutor. So oh, it was a DV case. I think I might remember this case. Yeah. So your victim was killed while the case was pending Correct. by the defendant. After I had told the officer that day to to take out another warrant against him for violation of bond conditions. I remember this She case. did. She called him at work and he lost his mind basically. And, and went and did the thing. Went and killed her. Yeah. Waited for her at home and then killed her with a 
uh, hammer. Yeah, I remember that case. Yeah. That was a tough one. It was bad. Um, and that was really early. I mean, that was, I'd been at the office for a year or seven months, eight months. Yeah. Um, so I was still a baby prosecutor by far. Um, and then I had one in Hickman County that was a rape case, rape of a child. And the jurors decided that, and they said this, so I'm not, I'm not making, or I'm not, um, Assuming this, that basically she, by the time we tried it, she was several years older than when it happened. They said, like, you know, she looks like she's pretty well adjusted. You know, we believe her, but we think she's okay now. So no harm, no foul, no harm, no foul. Wow. And they deliberated for an hour and a half. It was a four day trial. Wow. And then told a few of the local Hickman County people that work with us. We got that one wrong. Didn't we? They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you may, yeah, 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 you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one, that one was bad. My victim was having seizures because of the stress during the trial. It was awful. Yeah. It's it, now's not the time, but, uh, I very nearly quit practicing law at, after my first jury trial. It was, I was second chair on a multiple count, um, aggravated abuse, uh, aggravated child abuse mm. case. And the jury, so many failures happened in that case. So many of the fail safes that are supposed to fix, uh, prevent things from happening just absolutely didn't happen. And a kid ended up spending two and a half years at Riverbend before the Court of Criminal Appeals not reversed, remanded, and ordered it be dismissed. Wow. Um, so I was right all along. And uh, But when that case, when the jury came back with that case, uh, they literally split the baby. They convicted him of half of the charges and acquitted him of half, which was medically, it couldn't be possible under yeah. the medical proof. And um, I, I, I went home and I cried and I thought, I, I have invested five years of my life into being part of this system and this is what you get. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, yeah. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather go sell widgets or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, it's my tough first, sometimes. Uh, my first jury trial, I sat Second chair with Kate, and we lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. You're not going to win them all. That's, you know, okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about mm -hmm. clients a little bit. Does it, do clients or prospective clients ever ask you, how many have you won? Or what's your, what's your winning percentage, as if we're keeping score like that? I have not gotten that one. I think at the DA's office, there was one prosecutor in particular <laughs> who would keep a tally, but. Uh, so my answer to that is. I did not. <laughs> my answer to that is, let's talk about what winning means. Yeah. <laughs> Does it mean beating the offer? Because yeah. I have a pretty good record at beating the offer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does it mean never having had an innocent person convicted? Well, uh, that's happened to me. Um, you know, what, like clients, clients kind of want to. I don't know. I think I think it's maybe out of like um, th they have never had to hire a lawyer, so they don't really know what how to measure a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, so what's the what's the strangest thing that a client or a prospective client has ever asked you, like about uh, what are you going to do for me or or how does this or you know how are you going to fix this or or what? Hmm. Hmm. That's a tough question. Yeah. I've had I've had the. Uh, who do you talk to to Who do you talk to to get the judge to dismiss this case? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or should I? My friend goes to church with that yeah. judge. Should I have my friend say something to the judge? I have had someone, and this—I don't think this is the strangest, but I've had a few ask, "Well, how much do I have to pay to get this dismissed?" To make this go away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, which I can quote. Yeah, <laughs> I can quote you a fee for trying the case. Yeah. If I knew how much it costs to make it go away, I would charge you a lot more. Yeah, I'd start there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. So you're both, you're both, you both have families. Um, how do you maintain 
some semblance of work-life balance. You mom so hard mm-hmm. while trying to make a living uh, doing this, which is, you know, for the most part, we're selling time. So um, no giant commission checks on a sale, um, you know, no no residual mailbox money. We're, mm-hmm. we're actually having to grind out hours. So what do you do? How do you do it? How do you, how do you, how does a day look for you to maintain some kind of balance there? Well, for me, my husband is a, owns a landscaping company. So he works probably nine months out of the year, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. ish, maybe 5.30, maybe 7.30, depending on the day. So he's gone 12 hours a day, generally speaking. My kids are three and two. And I, by the sweet grace of God and generosity of my parents, live next door to them. Um, they gave us some of the acreage that I grew up on and we were able to build a house. So that is my saving grace. Me and my parents save my rear end on a regular basis. Got a network for you. Yes. Yes. I have a good support. Um, but aside from that, I mean, I, I, like I said earlier, I quit the DA's office solely, um, because, I wanted more flexibility, like Nicole said. Like, and, I'm not going to work on Thursday. Right. Just announcement. And I, yeah, and I get to do that. <laughs> right. Um, or this. Right. I work three <laughs> days a week. Um, I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is when my kids are in school. Obviously, if I need to adjust that because of court schedules or whatever, I can. But that's generally, as far as my work-life balance, That's my those are my boundaries. If the case is in a jurisdiction that has court on Monday, then I don't take it. Just, um, no, thank you. Yeah, Good I luck. just... Yeah. Okay, I go to court on Monday. So yeah, yeah, I know. I, so does Nicole. <laughs> what about you, Nicole? Yeah. How do you how do you uh, what, how, how do you do it? That's what's funny is that when I first started, I was similar to Kate. I only worked Monday through Thursday, and Fridays were my off days. But then we bought a new house, and I decided I need to I needed to work more. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, lately it's been particularly hard um, with kids out of school underfoot yeah and so lately it's been a lot of setting the kids in front of the television or their tablets and right. closing my office doors thought in the of house. these stupid screen time rules i know <laughs> right um american and, society of pediatric doctors <laughs> my my office doors at home uh are have windows and so often my kids will come to the window as I'm on a work call and I got to <laughs> write my oldest one a note out on a post-it to like go do something yes. else. And I just hold it up to the window right. pane, like go, go away. Go away. <laughs> I am um, not an exhibit at the zoo. <laughs> but um, yeah, my mother-in-law lives with us. Um, so sometimes she helps. Luckily, my, my husband's work schedule is not opposite of mine, but he goes in very early and gets home pretty early and I go in a little later and work a little later. Um, which is why it works out pretty well with Kate and I, cause she usually works early and is gone early and I come in later and I, and do you later. guys, do you guys cover the same cases for each other or do you, or do you kind of just take, you know, if it's Nicole's client, Nicole handles it. Or do you, I mean, we'll cover for each other if we need to or yeah. can. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, her clients are hers, my clients are mine. And then, you know, if yeah. she can't get to court one day or she's late or I can't do it, then we'll step in and help each other out. Okay. We're technically an association, so we're not a firm or anything like oh, that. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, Nicole, if you weren't doing this, being a lawyer, and money was no object, in other words, you were going to be paid the same or even better, if you weren't doing this, what would it be you were doing? Do I have to work? <laughs> no, I mean, I guess you I mean, could say for the same money, I'll be a philanthropist. But um, what would you do 
if the money part of the equation were taken out of it, what would you do? That's a really hard question. I, and I've thought of this before, actually. Um, something that interests me is interior design. And seems like it'd be fun to do um, <laughs> if I was actually good at it. Or maybe photography. Um, if I was actually good at it, you know, um, and money weren't an, an, op an object to... Or had time to nurture that, because I think right. you've got a talent for it. So, you just don't really have time to um, do it. <laughs> those are two interests um, that I would definitely consider. Okay. Kate? Um, my first thought was I would be a stay-at-home mom full-time, okay. but still send my kids to school a couple of days a week. <laughs> they need socialization. Yes, they skills. do. Uh, but my second answer would be either teach like a, a junior college or something, history, political science. Those are two things I love. Um, and write more. I enjoy writing and I don't ever like do that. fiction or, or? Just kind of life, like, like journaling type, writing, maybe mommy blogging. I'm not sure. Okay. I want Joe Rogan's job. <laughs> Stand-up comedian and podcaster. How about that? That's not at all shocking. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you would you would do well at that. Or yeah. you do do well at that, I try. perhaps. I try. My thanks today to Nicole Duche and Kate Dell. I appreciated them sitting down with me and sharing with me their stories. If you're enjoying what I'm doing here, please subscribe and follow me on social media. Until next time, this is Dana McClendon, and this is Ready for Trial.